1 Samuel chapter 3. We've been making our way through this book of 1 Samuel, and you know the central character so far has been this young man Samuel who was dedicated to the Lord, just like little Julene was dedicated this morning. Samuel was dedicated unto the Lord even before his birth. And his parents wanted him to be a man who was given completely unto the service of the Lord. And she made a special way of offering him to God's service. And when he was, oh, just about three years old, she came and she dropped this little boy off at the tabernacle to be God's servant at the house of the Lord, even as a little boy. And as Samuel grew, God blessed him, and he kept growing as a boy and serving the Lord any way he could. But even though he was a bright, shining light in Israel at that time, there was a lot of darkness, and some of that darkness was right there at the house of the Lord, where you had a high priest named Eli, who was a good man in himself, but an indulgent parent, and not a good high priest, because his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, These two young men were allowed to run uncontrolled and they were ripping off God, they were stealing from God's people and they were committing immorality with women who had come to worship at the house of the Lord. And so God sent a messenger to Eli to warn him to get his sons in line and to get these priests who were serving under him as he was the high priest to do something about this situation. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we saw that God sent this man of God to be a messenger to Eli, and he warned him, but Eli didn't listen. You know, it's a significant thing, and I think you may have experienced this in your own life, when we don't listen to what the Lord's telling us, he has other ways to get the message across. Do you know what I mean? And so Eli wouldn't listen to the voice of conscience as God was speaking to his heart. Eli wouldn't listen to the man of God that he sent, so he said, I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send unto Eli a little boy to tell him about his sin. We don't know exactly how old Samuel was at this time. Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian, says that Samuel was 12 years old at this time. Well, maybe so. Maybe he was in that area. Uh, Maybe not a little, little boy. Maybe not a man yet, but he's somewhere in that late boyhood years. And one night Samuel goes to bed and God wants to speak to him. So as he's sleeping, the Lord calls unto Samuel and says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel wakes up and he thinks it's Eli calling him. And at this time, Eli was old and he was blind and he couldn't get around so well. So he figures, well, you know, Eli needs a glass of water. Wants his pillow fluffed up or something like that. So he runs into Eli. He says, Eli, what's going on? Eli says, boy, I didn't call for you. Let me go back to sleep. And this happens a few times. And Eli, instead of getting annoyed, much to his credit, says, listen, Samuel, that's the Lord speaking to you. The next time that happens, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel goes back to bed again. Do you think he slept a wink after that, thinking God might speak to him again? So there he is, you know, he's laying on his bed. His eyes are as big as saucers. Well, Lord, what are you going to do? Are you going to speak to me again? And that's where we pick it up in verse 10. Then the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Friends, I don't know about you, but if I was Samuel and just beginning to hear from the Lord and just beginning to be a prophet of God and to hear from God, being entrusted with God to deliver messages, to being a messenger of the Lord, I would have liked it if the Lord would have given me a lot more soft message to be the first one that I ever delivered. 
You know, why not God? God, go tell my people that I love them and I care for them. Okay, Lord, I'll receive that. Thanks, God. Or go tell my people, read my word. Or, you know, something simple, something basic everybody can relate to. Instead, God, right from the beginning, says, Samuel, I'm going to tell you something that when other people hear it, when you deliver this message, you want to know how serious this was? Both ears of everyone who hears are going to tingle. Not just one ear tingling. That would be bad enough, right? Both ears of everyone who hears it, they will tingle. Uh, Throughout the prophets, occasionally you'll find this phrase of people's ears tingling when they hear a message from God. And when the ears are tingling, it means it's a message of judgment from God. And that's what God is saying. He says, Samuel, this is a heavy message of judgment. And people are going to be so shocked. They're going to be so dismayed that it's going to be like their ears are on fire. Their ears are tingling. Not just one ear, verse uh, 12 makes it pretty clear. It's both ears. Or verse 11, both ears, if everyone hears it, will tingle. Samuel, this is the heavy message I'm giving you. So I can imagine Samuel laying on his bed, hearing the Lord speaking, and he's breathing very deeply. Okay, Lord, what's the message? And here's the message beginning here at verse 12. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Friends, that's a heavy message from the Lord isn't it? The message was simply this to Eli, I'm going to bring the judgment that I promised to bring. Did you see that in verse 12? I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. You see, previously in 1 Samuel chapter 2, God sent a warning from a man of God, a warning from another prophet to say to Eli and say, here's my warning. Judgment is coming upon your house. Eli, set your house in order. Eli didn't do it. His conscience spoke to him. The man of God spoke to him. But he didn't do what the word of the Lord was telling him to do. And so now he's faced with the dilemma that God's coming back and saying, You know what, Eli? Time's up. I gave you a chance to repent. I gave you a chance to get your house in order. You didn't take it. Now my judgment's going to come. Friends, sometimes we confuse the mercy and the long-suffering of God for softness. God convicts us of our sin. He's laying it on us. And, and we're affected by it. And we think, oh man, i got to get right with God. But you don't do it immediately. You don't get right with God immediately. And then you know what? You find that the next day, lightning didn't come down from heaven and, and just zap you. The next day you didn't get into a terrible car accident on your way to work. And you think, well, you know, maybe God's not so mad at me after all. And well, maybe it'll be okay. And you put it off and you don't deal with the issue directly. And you confuse God's mercy. You confuse God's long suffering for softness. And you're not serious about getting right with God when he speaks to your heart to do it. I think that was the mistake Eli made. And God comes to him now and he says, you know what? Time's up. It's too late now. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it completely. Did you see that phrase at the end of verse 12, from beginning to end? I'm going to judge, and I'm going to judge completely. You know, when God does a work of judgment, he does it thorough through. God isn't into doing it. It's a halfway work of judgment. When God sets things right, he sets them right completely. 
And you look around at the world today and you see a lot of injustice. You see a lot of unfairness. You say, well, that's not fair. That's not right. Friends, God's going to set it right and he's going to set it right from beginning to end. It's all going to be set right by God. And it might seem like God takes a long time to work his judgment. You might say, well, God, what are you doing? Are you still on the throne? Are you still doing your job? And God is doing his judgment. He does it slow, but he does it completely. And now he's saying from beginning to end, it's going to happen. He goes on here in verse 13. He says, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever. God's saying, I told him. I spoke to his conscience. He didn't listen. I spoke to him through the man of God. He wouldn't listen. Now I'm speaking to him again, and I'm speaking to him again through a little boy. Isn't that interesting? Friends, if you don't listen to God, he'll speak to you again. And I think maybe he'll get a little more creative in the way he speaks to you each time. Now I'm talking to you through a little boy, Eli. Verse 13 again, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made himself vile, and he did not restrain them. Wasn't this the sin of Eli? Now I think this is interesting, because Hophni and Phinehas were the ones really out doing the sinning, weren't they? They were the ones out ripping off God. They were the ones out stealing from God's people. They were the ones out uh, committing immorality with the women who came to the tabernacle to worship. They were the ones committing the sin directly. But yet God didn't send a messenger to Hophni and Phinehas, did he? He sent it to Eli. Why? Because Eli was responsible for Hophni and Phinehas, these two priests, on two levels. Eli was responsible for them, first of all, and in a lesser sense, as their father. Right? He's their dad. And he should have restrained them. Now, we need to understand, though, that these were no longer children. They weren't under the authority of Eli the same way they were before. You know, when you're a child and you're living in your parents' home, you're duty-bound before God to obey them as your parents. That's what God tells you to do. It's not an option. This is what God tells you to do. You need to obey your parents in all things. But when a child grows up and moves out of the house and he's no longer under that direct parental authority, the Bible says you still have the commandment then to honor your father and mother. That's not a command that ever goes away. You don't have the same obligation as obedience to your father and mother when you're out of the house, but you still have the the obligation to honor them. And Hophni and Phinehas were not honoring their father in their sinful conduct. And Eli had the responsibility to call him on it, and he didn't. But it wasn't just as a father that he was responsible over them. It was also as a boss. He was the high priest. They were associate priests. And Eli should have gone to his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and he should have looked at the sin they were committing, stealing from God, stealing from God's people, uh, committing immorality. He should have looked at them and he should have said, you're fired. You're not doing the job. You're a disgrace. But he didn't. And do you see the phrase at the end of verse 13? He says he did not restrain them. Friends, where there's evil going on, it needs to be restrained. And people who have a legitimate authority over them, it's their job to restrain it. Eli should have restrained it as a father. He should have restrained it as a boss, but he did not. Now, might I say, as parents, we have a special duty to restrain evil in our children. Parents, are you doing that? Or do you just pretty much let your children go their own way and figure, well, they'll just grow out of it. Well, they'll figure it out. Friends, they won't grow out of it. They'll grow into it if you don't restrain them from evil. God wants us to be able to raise children who know right from wrong and who are able to have the self-control and the restraint to do what's right. 
And friends, God helping you and the Spirit of God moving in your child, that's what's going to happen as you raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You need to restrain them from evil. Now, I know sometimes we'd like to restrain the children, get out the rope and the duct tape and restrain them that way. I think the Lord would have us do it through our godly prayers and moral influence and godly correction and, and loving time with them. The parents, are, our job is to restrain our children from evil and to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Because look at the result here, verse 14, Eli did not restrain his children, and therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow, that's heavy. Wouldn't you hate the Lord to say that to you? Say, it's too late. Sorry. You didn't repent when I gave you the opportunity to repent. Now it's too late. And friends, everybody who passes from this world to the next without Jesus Christ, they hear the Lord say that idea to them. It's too late now. You had your opportunity. But now there isn't an atonement. Now there isn't a sacrifice. And they say, well, wait a minute, Jesus still died for me. I guess I could still... No, it's too late. Now's your opportunity to get right with God. Take advantage of it now. Friends, I'm here to tell you that as long as we are on this side of eternity, as long as we are here before the Lord in this life, you can come to Jesus and His atonement will always cover your sins. You can come to Jesus by faith in Him. And He'll receive you and He won't push you away. But if you don't come to Jesus, there's no other place your sins are going to be atoned for. No other place. And once we pass from this life to the next, there is no more sacrifice for sins. It has to be cleared up with God now. We need to respond to the work of God now in our hearts. So that was God's message to Samuel. How would you feel if you're Samuel, 12-year-old boy, and the Lord gives you a message like that to deliver to Eli, the high priest? the head of the spiritual life of Israel. If Eli, excuse me, if Samuel was an immature young man, I believe it, yeah, cool, wow, heavy message. Well, I can't wait to lay that on the old man. I don't think so, though. Samuel was a godly young man, a mature young man. I think he was dreading it. Matter of fact, I know he was dreading it. Look at verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning. I, I just, I love the Bible. I love the way it's written. I love the little nuances. Do you notice it didn't say he slept? It doesn't say Samuel. You know he didn't sleep. There he is. You know, his eyes are bugging out. He's staring up at the ceiling. Every tick of the clock, of course, there's no clock. Every grain of the hourglass, I guess. I don't know what they use for time. It was dark. They couldn't use a sundial. You know, there they are every moment that goes by. It's like so heavy in his heart. It's heart pounding. And here is blood going through his veins. And he's thinking, oh, I got to tell Eli. I got to tell Eli. I can't tell Eli this. I can't tell him this. I got to tell him. I can't tell him. What's he going to do? And he's thinking, maybe that wasn't the Lord at all. Maybe I was just, yeah, it was just a dream. That was, it wasn't God at all. It was what I ate. No, no, of course it was the Lord. He's going back and forth. He's, what am I going to do? So there he is, he's just waiting as the first glimmers of light come through the room. Look at what he does, verse 15. He lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Well, there he is, you know, and Samuel has his normal duties to do, and he needs to open up. That's his response. He opens up in the morning and gets things ready, opens up the door, starts the coffee, gets things going. I don't know all what he did. 
And he said, well, I'll just busy myself with the task. Let's get ready. You know, lots of things to do today. Lots of things to do. Oh, I guess I'm too busy to tell Eli the vision. I'll just get busy about the day. The only problem was, even though Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision, Eli knew that the Lord had spoke to Samuel, didn't he? He knew it. After all, Eli was the one who told Samuel, it's the Lord speaking to you. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So what happens? Look at what Eli does in verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. Oh, can you just imagine Samuel, his heart pounding. Verse 17, and he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said to you? God bless Eli. You know, Eli did some things wrong in his life, but he also did some things right. And one of the things that's really right and admirable about Eli is that he wanted to hear the word of God. Even when it wasn't easy, even when it wasn't uh, uh, soft to his ears to hear, he wanted to hear it. Friends, he was willing to be taught from a little child, and he wanted to hear the bad news, and he wanted to hear all of God's message. God bless Eli for not tormenting the little child and making him go through the whole day, but instead going to Sam and say, okay, let's get out with it right now. Let's clear it away right now. And look what else he says to him, verse 17. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. I can just see Samuel turning white as a sheet as Eli says that to him. Well, I don't want that judgment on me. Forget it. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything. You know how to make me spill my guts. And he said, yeah, that judgment's coming upon you if you don't tell me. Well, I'll tell you everything then. And look at it, verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Friends, I think that's significant. What did Samuel tell him? Everything. If you were Samuel, wouldn't have you been tempted to soften the message? This is the high priest you're talking to. If I was Samuel, I would have said, well, Eli, God's not entirely happy with everything that you're doing. And he said he's thinking about doing something about it. No, no, Samuel doesn't soften it one bit. And friends, how hard it is to bring a message of judgment. And there may be a few hard hearts who relish it, I suppose Jonah was like that, wasn't he? Goes to the city of Nineveh, and he can't wait to lay it on them. You all, you're, you're under judgment, you're going to hell, and I'm happy for it, was basically Jonah's message to the city of Nineveh. But those are few and far between. Most, most find it difficult. Yet it's the responsibility of God's messenger to bring everything that God says, not just the easy words. Friends, it's a dangerous thing, both for the messenger and for the hearer, when the messenger fails to bring everything God says, even the bad news. In the prophets, God says to those who only bring a good or a happy message, he says they seduce God's people. In Ezekiel chapter 13, God says, because they have seduced my people, saying peace, when there is no peace. Or later on in Jeremiah chapter 6, God says that when you don't tell people the whole truth, you're hurting them. He says, they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. 
Okay, so you go to the doctor, and the doctor looks you over, and he gives you a whole checkup, and they do the blood test, and they do all the tests, and the doctor is looking at you, oh, and checks you out, and the doctor looks, and, you know, he's looking over the report, and you see this great, oh, you know, the doctor's eyes get really big, and, whoa, it looks really concerned, but then he wipes that look from his eyes, and he just puts on a big smile. Hey, everything's fine. You're going to be great. Go ahead. Have a great time. Enjoy yourself. You see sweat running down the face of the doctor as he's saying that, but he's all smiling and everything. And you go on your way and think, well, great, everything's fine, wonderful. Yeah, but the doctor was looking at the report and he didn't tell you, you've just been diagnosed with a terminal illness. But he's such a nice guy, he's not going to tell you. I don't want to ruin their day. Friends, that doctor may, you may leave the doctor's office feeling great. Yeah, I'm great. But it's a feeling based on ignorance. That doctor didn't tell you everything. And he's not a good doctor because he should have told you everything and he shouldn't have held anything back. But he didn't because he didn't want to hurt your feelings. Friends, that's not a good doctor, is it? Friends, when somebody is given the responsibility from the Lord to deliver a message from the Lord, they need to say the whole message. Now, I suppose that this could go off into the other extreme, couldn't it? Aren't there some people, you know, everything is judgment, everything is hell, everything is, well, you're all going to hell, and oh, it's a judgment, and you're all guilty sinners, and that, and it's, it's they're never giving the other side. That's why we need to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Just let God speak for himself. Go through the Bible, verse by verse. When God says a, a message of, of confronting us about our sin, well, there it is in the Bible, and God's telling us how much he loves us and what he wants to do in our lives. There it is, right in front of us. Paul could say that he preached the whole counsel of God's word. And that's how preachers need to be as well. Look at Eli's response in verse 18. I think this is remarkable. Verse 18, Eli says, And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. God bless Eli. Eli, in the way that he responded to this word from the Lord, I think is admirable too, is he submitted to the word of God. Okay, Lord, I will submit to your word. I will have a humble submission to you. And God, even if I haven't been a great father, then let me be a good son to you. And I will submit to your word, O Lord. How good are you at submitting to the word of God? I think it's essential that we do. That we come to God's word, not debating it, not arguing with it, but simply letting God speak for himself and submitting to his word. I think it's a marvelous illustration of this in the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus spent almost his entire ministry dealing with the Jewish people. It was only on rare occasions that he dealt with Gentiles. But on one occasion, a Gentile woman came up to Jesus and said, Lord, my daughter's sick. I want you to heal her. You know what Jesus answered back? He said, lady, um, I've been sent to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. And it wouldn't be right for me to take what's been set aside for the little children and give it to the dogs. Now, do you understand what Jesus is saying right there? He said, the Jewish people are God's children and you Gentiles are dogs. Well, Jesus didn't use the harshest term for a dog that he could have. You know, in those days, the Jewish people oftentimes very derisively called Gentiles dogs and you you filthy dog, that kind of thing. Jesus didn't use the harshest word that he could use. He used a word which is more like pup, you know, but he still called her a dog. I mean, a pup is a dog nonetheless, right? And Jesus said, you know, lady, I'm not going to take what belongs to little children and give it to the dogs. Now, I think many of us, if we were in the same position as that lady, we would have looked at Jesus and put our hands on our hips and said, who are you calling a dog? Don't you call me a dog. 
I came to you and asked for a simple favor, and you call me a dog? Well, forget that. I'm going to go. I'm going to look for some other Messiah. I don't forget it. I'm not taking that from nobody. You know, some people respond that way to God's word. Who are you calling a sinner? Who are you calling somebody guilty before you? You read the passage. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. You think, well, yeah, I know some people like that. You think. You don't think it applies to you. As far as it applies to you, yeah, who are you saying that about me, God? You must be talking about somebody else. See, my friends, it's not easy for us to submit to God's word. Because sometimes it tells us things we don't want to hear. Now, you know what this lady did to Jesus? She didn't argue with him. You know what she said? Oh, this is so great. She said, you know, Lord, that's true. But she said, even the puppies get to eat the scraps that fall from the children's table. She didn't say, who are you calling a dog? She said, what, you say I'm a puppy? You say I'm a dog? Fine, I'm a dog. But even the dogs get something. And Jesus said, hey, your daughter's healed. You hit it right on the nose, lady. Go your way. Now, do you see? That's how we should respond to God's word. When he says you're a sinner, when he says that you fall short, don't debate with him. Don't say, well, no, I'm not. Say, you're right, Lord, I'm a sinner. But even sinners receive grace from you when they come in faith, Lord, I come in faith. You can receive from the Lord. Just believe what the Lord says about you. But not only when he says something bad about you, can you believe what the Lord says about you when he says something good? You know, some of us, we have no problem when the Lord tells us we're sinners. Oh, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. How about when the Lord says you're forgiven? When he says you have the righteousness, the goodness of Jesus Christ. When the Lord says he's lifted you up into heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Can you believe that? Some of you have a harder time believing that than you have believing you're a sinner. I'm just saying submit to God's word. And when he says you are a certain thing, believe it. Submit to it. And that's what Eli was doing. Well, God was raising up Samuel. Look at verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. That means everything he said came to pass. When he was a prophet and he predicted something had happened, everybody knew that the words he spoke was from the Lord. Verse 20 says, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. By the way, when it says Dan to Beersheba, that's not talking about two people. Well, there's Dan and there's Beersheba. And everybody knew that he was, even Dan and Beersheba knew it. No. (laughs) Dan is a city in the way north of Israel. and Beersheba is a city in the way south of Israel. And so it's like saying, everybody coast to coast, everybody top to bottom, all over Israel, they knew that Samuel was a prophet. Now, we're not told this specifically in the text, but I think this, this tells us something precious about Samuel. He was a humble man. If you're a young man and God is using you this way and everybody knows you're a prophet, aren't you going to start getting the swelled head? Not Samuel. Friends, if we're going to receive the word of the Lord, we need to receive it not only in submission, but in humility. And that brings us to verse 21. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. How did God reveal himself? By the word of the Lord. Friends, don't you want the Lord to reveal himself to you? Let me tell you how he'll reveal himself to you. And I'm not saying this is the only way, but I think it's the most consistent and the most precious way, by his word. Now, oftentimes we think that uh, uh, when we study the Bible or when we come together on a Sunday morning to get in the word, 
that we're just kind of learning facts about the Bible together. You know, kind of handy if you're ever in one of those Bible trivia games. And you say, next time it says from Dan to Beersheba in the Bible trivia game, I can answer that one. That's not what it's about, my friends. God wants to reveal himself to you in his word. Do you know what that's like? I wonder if there's some people here this morning, you don't really know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to have God touch your heart to fill you with so much love, with so much joy, with so much peace through time in his word that it's just like something being poured out all over you from heaven. It's like, yes, God is meeting me. He's revealing himself to me through his word. Uh, Maybe some of you know what it's like to have the Lord convict you. And there you are, you're here on a Sunday morning and God's really nailing you. And your heart's pounding and it's like you're almost sweating and you're like, I bet everybody's looking at me. And it's like they're the words, it's like pulsating off the page at you. You know God's revealing himself to you by his word? My friends, this is so important. God wants to reveal himself to you by his word. Now, do you want that from the Lord? You should. If you want it. Have the heart that Samuel had and have the heart that Eli had. Eli had a heart that would submit to the word of God, submit to it. And Samuel had a heart that was humble before the word of God. Friends, with that kind of submission, with that kind of humility before God's word, he will reveal himself to you by his word. And let me say one other thing. You know, it doesn't just have to happen when you're here. I I fear that perhaps there's some people here this morning that pretty much the only time you read your Bible is when you walk through those doors. You know, it works at home, too. You can open it up and read the Bible at home, or at work, or wherever you're at. Even in a hotel room, there's a Gideon Bible there for you, right? You can read it. You can have God reveal himself to you through his word and have that revelation of God in your life. Friends, this is deep work that the Holy Spirit needs to do in our lives. I suggest let's pray and ask him to do it. Lord, we don't want to simply have facts about you. We long for you to reveal yourself to us by your word. And Lord, as you would reveal yourself to us by your word, we know that that's going to take hearts full of submission to your word. We know it's going to take humble hearts before you. So, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would just build that in us. Make us humble servants before your word. We love you, Jesus. We care about you, and we want to see you do your work of revealing yourself to us by your word. So we just humbly come to you, Lord, as we are this morning, and we ask that you do that work in us. And glorify yourself in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.